Welcome to the Better Future podcast series brought to you by Driven by Design Award Programs. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design, and joining me is... Kirsten Mann. I'm Global VP of Product Experience for Oracle's Construction and Engineering Global Business Unit. This podcast series is a special series where we focus on design in the boardroom. It's a series of infill recordings and live panels with design giants from around the world, and we discuss how boards are leveraging design to accelerate economic outcomes. In other words, how is design being managed up, down, and across the world? In this episode, Mark and Johnny have a conversation about the operations of major new sites like Hudson Yards and the Calatrava Centre. They explore how the board needs to think about the thousands of people that are orchestrated every day to make these spaces work and how short-term initiatives can be delivered inside complex built experience environments. Uh, my name is Johnny Madera and I'm a project manager for related companies. So, Johnny, most of us would understand that Related are doing some pretty big things in, in this city here in New York, but um, we, we're not going to speak specifically about any site that you're working on. We're going to be talking about the, the situation and the context of it, but I'm also going to drag you back into, you told me that you were in the military as well. Yes, um, I served the military for 14 years. Uh, I served between 97 and 2011. And I believe the correct term is to say thank you for your service. Thank you. I appreciate that. So when you're in the military, there's a whole bunch of things you can't talk about. Uh, I could talk I could talk a little bit about uh, that since I'm removed, you know, about six years. And also uh, in your current situation, there's some things we're not going to talk about because there's probably some corporate sensitivity behind that. So we're going to talk in general. Absolutely. Okay. So... When you're in the military, you had to go use a whole bunch of mani uh, management principles that were relied on for an evolving situation and also an evolving site. Correct. The role that you're in now is actually about a whole series of ephemeral situations, but it's the same site. Pretty much. Uh, so... My approach in, in operating as a project manager uh, coming from the military, it is more regimented. Um, we understand preparedness, uh, being able to plan for certain critical situations. Uh, so it's always about just understanding where the objectives is, are, as well as what are, what are we going to do to meet those objectives? And so learning that from that point of view, it, it allowed me to look at other things in that situation, you know, as a project manager. So if there is an objective, I go into it and understand that objective, and then I approach it based on what the needs are and how we can be able to improve upon uh, some of the current standards that's in place. Okay, so I want to go to where the source of that objective comes from. Yeah. And in the case of this conversation focusing around design in the boardroom, okay. it's going to start at the board that are actually saying, we want this. And, it, and if I go think in the case of Related, you know, I think there was a famous announcement in about 2013 or 2014 saying, we're going to do this massive project. So that then says a whole bunch of things are going to cascade and, 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 and occur. But then they start to say, we now need to make things operational. 
And then when they start to say they want to make it operational, that's where you're coming into the frame to say, now you've told me the objective and I'm needing to go and actually start to work out how to operationalize this. Yes. I mean, that's the natural course of any type of development. There is the front end and then there's the back end. Um, I can't discuss it in detail, uh, but uh, as far as as far as my methods uh, in regards to operations, it's always about understanding the connections between um, the operating elements, the administrative elements, uh, understanding the need when it comes to uh, the individual's personal responsibilities as well as how it cross-coordinates with other functions. And so there is that siloed point of view as well as the integrated point of view. Uh, and, and that's how I um, view pretty much everything when it comes to uh, any type of organization, if you will. So in the scenario where, where you're trying to go manage, there's there's going to be a range of different considerations that come in, come into it. But I'd imagine you use a similar framework regardless which one of those considerations is there, which is just good project management, understanding the objectives, understanding how do we go implement them so that the team are able to use a common set of methodologies to right. go and deal with things. Right. And then after you've gone and said, well, we've done our activation and we've gone and that we've executed the work that we're doing, there's going to be need, a need to report to actually say that we are operating this facility as it's meant to be operated. Yeah, as in, as in everything that, that I do. Um, prior to me being a project manager, I was an event professional. So usually what I'm doing currently kind of takes on what I've done in the past um, as an event professional where... Uh, the client themselves has an objective, um, and then I come up with an actual plan of action, um, and it, it goes into some of the details, uh, whether it's financial or, or budgeting-based, uh, whether it's uh, any type of uh, resources that need to be allocated or, or, or acquired um, and or uh, just the actual plan itself, along with all the cross communication and coordination that comes along with that. Because you're dealing with a lot of internal personnel and then you're dealing with a lot of external personnel. So um, it, there's a lot of moving parts and being able to gather as much information as possible from the client, um, uh, you can be able to, to come up with uh, the best plan uh, to be, again, to be able to meet the objective uh, that is expected. Um, but as far as being able to, to, to present that to the executives uh, that are the improving party uh, in, in, this, in this situation, it's more so of have you done all the research based on the line by line uh, areas that's part of that objective and being able to say, hey, look, this is the best plan. This is the benefits from that plan, uh, what you can get. Um, and you can, you can actually use it as a, as a, as a kind of as a, uh, a benchmark, right? So you're in a current state. 
based on these standards that are being in place, um, this is where I can go to uh, in comparison to these current standards or the current state that you're in. And I suppose there's something that intrigues me with your background from the military. You're not, in those situations, you weren't setting the objectives. No, I was more executive. And in this situation, I'd imagine you're in a similar circumstance where you're being responsive rather than setting the, setting the agendas. And it's going to be based on the information that you can feed back that is going to help people to go and re reset those objectives because any major, major project that's done, there's a, a phase where we realise that we think we know it's going to happen Right. Then there's a phase which is it either is happening better than we thought and we then need to re, re you know scope things right. or it's a phase where it's not doing what we thought and we need to rescope it. And then after you've got through that initial it's either performing or not performing. Right. You then wind up saying, well, we need to change it up a little bit because particularly if it's a multi-visitational site. Right. You need to create new event experiences that people are going to have. And I'd imagine that you're then getting new objectives and new writing instructions that that's the planning of, which is I look at as being very similar to the military experience, which is last week, last month, we needed you to, to, to help us solve this particular right. objective. In the next month or next three months, well, we're not going to tell you what those plans are because when it comes time that you need to affect them... Right we'll be introducing them and, and telling you what's going on. But the, probably the difference between the military environment and this one is it's the reporting that you're creating that's almost like the signals directorate that would have been in the military to help them to understand what to do in this same situation. Right. With the military, you have, you have standards that's been in place for decades, right? So... Um, they they evolve very very little, and that's due to possible equipment changes, the improvement of equipment, things like that. Um, practices change based off uh, the type of combat scenarios that we 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 uh, deal with. Uh, World War Two, you had more of an open type of combat environment. Now, you know, in, in a lot of different environments, it's more close quarter combat. So the, the, the preparedness to it changes along with the current status. As far as it pertains to the methods in regards to that, you always look at what's the baseline. You always have a baseline. The baseline is is a means of saying you can't go below this baseline in regards to standards. You can go above the baseline because you can always go above and beyond. And that's at the dis discretion of the actual operator. So what any type of standards that's created in any situation or any organization is, is used as a means or a tool and a reference for um, individual performance improvement um, from an individual point of view. You have groups, you have large departments, you have organizations. So these, these standards that's created in any type of environment um, allows 
that individual or or that group of people to know where their the expectations are. It changes. Risk, that's where it comes from, right? Risk happens, you know, so certain things happen and you have to be able to adjust as they come along. But as long as you have that baseline, you would at least be aware of uh, the circumstances. So I'd imagine as you go through, you know, over, over time, there's going to be, as there is in every physical space, there's new elements that come on board. Absolutely. There's things that get put on hold because they might be receiving a, a technical upgrade or it may be that they're being reimagined. Absolutely. And I know Disney have been fantastic at being able to work out how to go keep their facilities like Disneyland going without people realising that there's actually a continual construction site going. And, and that's something that I can envisage for yourself that you've got this mixture over the, uh, over the next, you know, three to five years of your, it, you're in a continual construction site which is just the reimagining process of a facility actually saying it wasn't actually doing exactly what we wanted or somebody new's come in and we want to go change this around and we want to go make, make it more special. And, and that's a very interesting adaption that has to take place because every time something is new, it needs to be bettered down. And I'd imagine you've got a different management techniques that you've got and reporting techniques of when something is fresh. Right versus something which is tried and tested and we're going to use the same proven operational execution that we've seen happen four or five times. And then you're trying to do exception management rather than that, have we actually thought of all of the dynamics that are taking place on something that's new? Right. Um, in regards to change, you know, it's always important for any organization to understand change management. And the reason is because you you never want to have such a loose understanding of decision making. I mean, there is one aspect of saying, okay, if there's a if there's a critical decision that has to be made on the spot, that's fine. But if it's something that is a change to the standards, there should be a process in place where it's it's more uh, controlled amongst all the subject matter experts that's involved. Uh, because again, if you make an arbitrary decision, it can negatively impact another group or another function's position. So you always want to keep that in mind when you talk about the organization and how you operate uh, from a cross-coordination point of view. Uh, so, so again, that's, that's kind of my approach in, in understanding that piece always includes change management policy. It will, it will, it would help out any organization moving forward. So I suppose the interesting part about when you're reporting on things is you think you might've met the performance criteria that was set for the objective. Yes. But boards have evolving needs and evolving and quite dynamic changes that happen. And there's going to come a point where you say, did you, in Australia, we'd say move the goalposts. Right. I'm not sure whether, what, what, the, what the equivalent is here. Move the goalposts? Okay. Cool. Absolutely. So, so the moving the goalposts things 
happens. And and it is interesting when you've set up a a, a well structured operational environment, and those goalposts have moved not because of anything that you've done, right? But there's a corporate need to go change it. You need to make sure that you've set up an environment that's going to be responsive to those dynamics that come through. And then there's also being here in New York, there's the dynamics where there's been some unfortunate events that have meant that public safety dynamically changes. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to go keep a very agile management as well as keeping something which is rigid and proven and tested Absolutely. as well as being highly adaptive and responsive. And Absolutely. that's an interesting challenge. Yes. Culturally, I that's go a through very it. interesting challenge. Yes, I go through it and, and it's... It's not just in regard to like incorporate on using agile as well as the rigid uh, functional uh, uh, standards and approach. It's also just kind of understanding the culture of any organization and the personnel that you're going to be working with as well, uh, because everybody has a different work speed or work ethics or vision just like you said, in regards to the corporate, they have corporate executives that have their expectations and it might differ or there might be some differences uh, in regards to your approach. So as as the project manager, you'd, you'd have to take it, you have to take into consideration that A, this is their objectives and expectations. And then if... It's always healthy to challenge, but don't over-challenge, right? I would say challenge, but use your, your, your best professional position in saying the reason why I'm challenging this or we can integrate in, into a much um, better uh, uh, standard is here goes the benefits. Now... The worst thing that can happen is they saying, no, this is a hard, a hard line where we're going through. And then you're just going to have to do it. That's just kind of the nature There's of There's a of pragmatism the to it, isn't right. it? Dogma has very little, you know, role. If, if the board's asked for something to be done, yeah. dogma leads to somebody being redeployed, whereas the pragmatism actually says you, you're on track and you're helping right. us achieve our goals. But as a project manager, I always say this to other project managers, you're the impact player, right? Yes, there are certain cases where you're just part of us based on your scope. But in the end of the day, you're there to create systems that make the work more efficient. You, you create a, a more functional uh, 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 standards that work across organizational lines. So that's kind of my approach in in uh, in project management in general. So Johnny, I'm, I'm I'm really interested about some scope things here. I just want to have a general discussion about the idea of changes in commands or changes in needs. When you're in the in the military, you mentioned to me that you were. You're involved with a platoon, which I think is less than 50 people in, in, in that tank call. But I'm going to shift you out of out of the 
out of the army and let's go across the navy because I, I can't work on, a, on an analogy Uh-oh. that's not. I know, I know. I'm taking you across. <laughs> Remember, it's a, it's it's all for the. the it's right all right. Okay. Let's go. So often, when people ask to change things, they don't realise the enormity from a project management, from a uh, communication from getting everybody aligned. And so I'm going to use the analogy of an aircraft carrier. Thousands of people. A battleship, several hundred people. A frigate is down... A handful. You know, hand, it's probably about the same size as your platoon. Right. Okay. And then there's a patrol boat. And then there's a drone. And, you know, you've got three or five people. You've got, you know, 20 people, like a busload... So asking for a change in command or a change of objective and being able to implement that, to be able to go do it successfully where all of the people know the change that's coming through, you've got to understand that dimensionality and and there's a need to actually pre-armed the board so that they understand what sort of craft they've got. Have they got this aircraft carrier that is going to take a while? Right. Because... Because when they say they want to change something, they've got a temporal side that they need to do it in. Right. And if you haven't been able to manage that up to say, do you realise we now have 3,000 people that are actually working this site, they can't understand how long it takes to change something. If they think it's three people, they'll probably want to go down and watch the change happen. Right. If they think it's 3,000, they'll say, okay, we need to actually do this in a staged way. We need to actually get to a level of readiness. We need to have feedback that the confidence of that readiness is there. And then can you go execute it? And then it will be done elegantly, gracefully, and professionally. Absolutely. And I think that's a, that's a really interesting concept of how do you keep telegraphing up the situational awareness? Because if you can't do that there's going to be a bit of a realisation shock where someone says, we need something done in a hurry. It isn't because you don't That's want... That's always the case. <laughs> yeah, but there's, there's hurries and there's hurries. Right, yeah. right. So there's, uh, we need something done in a hurry and we know the, re- the response time of the machine that we've got is two months or we need something done in a hurry and the response time of the machine is a couple of days. If that hasn't been communicated there'll be embarrassment because people are saying why didn't it happen who's responsible for it not happening and you get a mismatch between between expectation and realization which is going to lead to dissatisfaction whereas if you've been able to get the management right and have telegraphed that up so managing up our situational change rate is so many days then when the board's making a decision they're aware they're informed they may even get on the phone and say we need to uh, a phone do you, do you remember what that <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's a yeah. strange idea but yeah they'll get on the phone absolutely they won't they won't uh, yeah they, they might have sent you a text <laughs> or an instant message but they're going to get on the phone and they're going to say we've got something very special that we need to go do Right. And we need you to be responsive. And I suppose you have to work out how can you change some of the operation to accommodate it rather than changing all of the operation or you have to say, actually, it's a no-go. We can't actually deliver 
the response that you're requiring. Right. So it goes back into uh, there's two sides of project management. There's the project leader and there's project management. Project leading is is the for me at least it's there's an authenticity of communication in regards to where we are at in the in the current status of the project or any project. Project management is a more technical aspect where you use a lot of different tools that measure, you know, the time of, you know, milestones and, you know, where we're at along uh, the way of the project. And needing to understand all the key areas that make up the entire objective. Being able to communicate with all the key leaders, external, internal, uh, being able to even uh, provide them with the approach that we're, you know, we're taking as a whole, you know, getting feedback from them, you know, valued feedback from anybody who's important within the ecosystem of the the environment. And I say that because everybody has different perspectives, whether it's, in my case, rigid or more regimented. Someone could be more creative. So you take in all those valued ideas and say, oh, now we can come up with the framework. Once you come up with the framework, you have at least an understanding of a direction going forward. Um, going back to the project leading, that's where the authenticity and when you're speaking with executives saying, look, this is where we're at currently. This is how long we think we can be able to take based on our timeline. Um, if we do have any problems, because of course projects always undergo issues along the way, um, again, being able to have that, that um, accessibility, and again, it, it comes with culture of, of the place. Some, some leaders are more uh, understanding than others, you know. Uh, but again, you have to know who you're dealing with before before even going there. Sometimes you have to do more hours to to complete a task, or or be prepared. It's just the nature of of the business, you know, that we're in. Um, when it comes to more of a smaller unit, as we were talking about, you know, the scale. Um, Military, if you notice, uh, let's say special forces, all those special forces operate in such a smaller group, they're more effective because they don't have so many parts, you know, in, in that small group. So they can effectively move in a, in a more efficient fashion. When you're dealing with larger groups with so many different pieces, now you have to kind of understand every piece, uh, every piece uh, 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 um, functionality and how it correlates to other pieces. So it's almost like playing, uh, playing Tetris. So the cheeky part of me wants to ask you, <laughs> have you got some Green Berets who are meant to go in and actually do something really short for you and you know it's like an insurgency into the standard operations and then they pull back and 
everything goes back to normal operations? Well, you know, I've 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 been in combat. Um, I went to combat in Iraq in 2004, 2005, and I was a, an army infantryman, and I wasn't in a special unit, uh, but I am familiar with how they operate, and um, they're more clandestine, more independent with how they operate. Um, we, as in the more formal uh, military, we operate in, in, in more formalities. We have uh, platoons, we have units, we have companies, we have battalions. So there's a hierarchical uh, uh, component to that uh, in, comparis- or in comparison to, well, not in comparison, but uh, uh, that's different from an actual uh, a clandestine unit like Green Berets or Special Forces, things like that. They they operate very loosely. They get the objective. They they have it done, and then they pull right back out. So so, I'm even thinking in the current circumstance that you're in. There's being in events and activation right. and sites. It's likely that something that is a one-off, which is a it could be the CEO, it could be the chairman of the board, it could be the owner who, right. who needs something done. To burden the over, overall operation may not be the smartest strategy to go do it, but to be able to say, we know that somebody is coming down to do something special, they understand how we work, and allow them to go do something may be an effective way to go do it, similar to the, uh, the, the Green Berets, right. which is... Let them get in, do their specialist thing, and let them get out, rather than trying to change the entire operational framework. Right. And and I think that's something that if we know that there's smarts in doing an insertion rather than a change management process, right. we can often achieve things that may have seemed too difficult, which is probably that more creative way of trying to solve things. This is true, um, but also take into consideration you still don't want to jeopardize or compromise yourself legally ethically so you still want to still maintain within the 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 umbrella of ethics and legalities uh but again you may not need the formalities of a larger scaled component that has multiple elements involved if it's just a singular you know, objective where you have a small group of people involved, it, it's much more efficient to just have those specialists there. And, there, and there's a um, respect. If I've got to come into a structured operational environment and do a special thing, I need to respect that I'm not interrupting that operational environment right. rather than treading over everybody's toes. Right. There, there, there's, there's a lot more stakeholders when you talk about a functional environment versus just a small group of people who've probably worked with each other for a very long time. They know each other's strengths and, and weaknesses. And so they almost play off of each other quite well. Um, and, and that's what saves time and in most cases money. And I know with the New York Design Awards, we've had a couple of circumstances where we've had um, security that's come with a couple of the guests. Okay. Special guests. Special guests. Special yeah, guests. Yes. Oh, they, 
thought they were special. <laughs> and uh, they were just people to me. Mm. It's one of the things from being from out of town, you don't understand the nuance of why they're... Why, why they've got people who I think the term is packing heat. I was fascinated. <laughs> I'm going, really? And, uh, and, and it's been interesting observing that some of them knew how to do it where it was almost undetectable. Absolutely. And others came in and, tr- and trod all over something and they made it so obvious that they were there. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the thing where if you've got a really good organisation, those people who need to come and do something which is very specialised and they understand the situation and they know how to adapt into the situation rather than actually trying to go and enforce their presence in the True. situation. Right. Um, again, you got to know your environment. Know your environment, uh, understand uh, uh, your objective and how your approach is and, 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 and don't impact too much, right? You, you want to be an impact player, but don't impact the environment in a negative fashion that is almost counterintuitive, right? It's a, it just, it, you, you just want to make sure that, that you're, you're providing a, a means of, hey, these methods are uh, a means to, to, to streamline. Uh, to save money, to save time, to communicate more effectively. As long as you, as long as you have the 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 ends of the means, uh, they will then buy into it eventually because they know that that there's a purpose to that. Yeah, and that and that's all about communication. Absolutely. You know, we we run a huge number of events throughout the year, and so we go into a lot of different venues. Generally, they communicate really poorly. And so then something that we think is reasonably simple to go ask for becomes very difficult because of a lack of communication. It sounds like you're on top of how to go and get that communication right so that the people who are entering the spaces you're managing are going to be able to go and actually do that in a graceful way that their needs are met, the organisational, operational needs are met. Right. And that's great news to go here, and and, and that's leadership that uh, is worthwhile that we Absolutely. share with people. Charlie, I really appreciate your time. It's been great. Thank having you so chat. much for having me. And I hope that this is useful for people who are trying to understand the manage up concept of what are the consequences when you've got a you've got the aircraft carrier of people. Yeah, you can't change your mind in a hell of a hurry, but you can use a specialist group to do something which might be a special need. Absolutely. Absolutely. But they need to remember that they're actually working in a current context. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the smile on your face when I've said that is like, yeah, finally somebody who gets it. So I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you for your Thank time. Thank you. Thank you.